0: I shall, uh, I shall just open my can, because that's the most important thing to do, then we can get started.
1: Are, are you are on the booze, or...? Uh,
0: well, you can vaguely call Morrison's own brand premium lager export booze, yes. Well, hello and welcome to the very first ever episode of Onid Arms The Pit Lane, a brand new motorsport focused podcast uh, from some of the faces that uh, sit behind Onid Racing, which is, I think it's probably fair to say, one of the fastest growing sim racing communities in the world. Um, I don't know whether I've just made that up or, or not, but we're we're growing anyway. But um, we're we've got so many motorsport fans in this community, and we end up talking about it so much that we thought we would come and record some of our thoughts on a semi regular basis. Uh, my name's Adam D. Uh, you might know me from some of the Onid streams, um, but this was not my idea. This is the brainchild of Mr. Alex Parking. Good evening, Alex.
1: Evening Adam, I feel like there's a lot of pressure with that uh, Bill intro.
0: Well, suggesting that this is your brainchild, for one.
1: <laughs> and fastest growing community, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I don't know whether I just made that up, but um, it sounds good, so we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> but Alex, we're, we're, we're not on our own tonight, are we? Who else we got?
1: No, we're not. Come on, someone say hello.
2: Hi. Hello. Who are you? We are two thirds Yorkshire tonight. Um, <laughs> my name's Tom. I'm uh, one of the admins here, just like uh, just like Alex. And yeah,
0: and and uh, what else do you do with your life, Tom?
2: Oh God. Um, so basically, every waking hour of my day is occupied by some form of motorsport. Um, <laughs> I'm a graduate data engineer at Alpine F1 team. Splendid. Uh, so
0: we've we've got a legit motorsport worker as um as part of the crowd here uh some so <laughs> there will there will be other people that that come and join us uh in future episodes and especially when we talk about some more specialist motorsport as well um but uh, for tonight it's the three of us to kick this one off alex like i said earlier this was your brainchild what's the whole idea behind it
1: yeah so i guess like you touched in the intro Adam. like we chat a lot in the discord and on voice chat when we're racing and stuff about motorsport and- we all we all have a laugh chatting about it. Like people like Tom who we are really focused on motorsport, just love it. And thought we'd quite interesting and hopefully a good laugh to get our thoughts together, talk about some F one, BTCC, or whatever it happens to be. It, yeah, that, that's basically it. Just have a have a good laugh and see where it goes.
2: Yeah, we have a really strong mix of um like interests when it comes to motorsport as well. Like obviously we're quite single seater orientated. We have. Uh, a lot of NASCAR fans, a lot of IndyCar fans, a lot of BTCC fans, uh, even employees in those uh, kind of tin-top categories as well. So, I don't know, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of good conversations to be had, so might as well record them.
0: Yeah, well, before we sort of dive into the big subjects of this week, um, let's, let's just, you know, so that people can get a flavour of the... The, the voices behind this this podcast let's just talk a little bit about our uh our motorsport obsessions um maybe even sort of where it came from and and where it all started for for you as an individual i mean alex i don't know if you want to kick us off and just talk to us about how motorsport became part of your life and you know what what do you really follow in the world of motorsport
1: in terms of how i first got into it i don't really know i, I got a ps1 and one at first games of all and there were tocker touring cars oh the first one absolute classic but um i just kind of i think i got it from there and like f1 on itv and touring cars on tv and i've just i kind of i've had a i've come and gone in terms of level of interest but i'd say probably last 10 years or so i've or f1 especially i've i've been really into it and followed it quite in some depth but I also like BTCC. Recently got into ACC last year with lockdown, and got into GT racing, and mm. other bits and pieces from there. I guess.
0: What about you, Tom?
2: Uh, yeah, so this surprises a lot of people, but I did not give one iota about motorsport before 2019. Wow. Um It's fair wow. to say it's obviously been a very slow and steady, you know, <laughs> gradual build of interest. Uh, no, no, it's uh, take it one year and it consumed my life. Um, I actually. <laughs> I start So, yeah, I started watching Formula 1 in uh, 2019. Um, I was actually a big McLaren fan back in those days. Um, if my employees are watching, that's that's all in the past now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, recently it's just been going down the single-seater rabbit hole and uh, joining Onid and making the friends here has slowly introduced me to the more kind of tin-top series as well. So, you know, your GTs, your touring cars. And, uh, yeah, it's just been... Downhill, uphill? Oh whichever. definitely uphill. <laughs> definitely uphill.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean for, for me, I, I've I, I grew up with um uh my dad being a huge motorsport fan. Uh he was a massive Jim Clark fan back in the sixties and, and used to go to um go to some races back in the day. Um he, he has no idea where his motorsport uh, obsession came from, but it's there. <laughs> and Sort of when when I was a very small child, he had kind of drifted away from Formula One a bit because you know life takes over and and all that kind mm. of stuff. Um, and then he he seems to remember that there was one particular day, and we think it was late nineteen ninety two, um, when he was watching a, a Grand Prix and um, and me aged what uh, ninety two, I would have been uh, about seven. Ish. Is that right? i don't know i can't do maths yeah. uh when you but... said
2: uh age 92 there you gave me a heart attack <laughs> <laughs> yeah no
0: 1992 and uh, uh despite being quite young i, I sat through the whole race and, and really enjoyed it uh and the very next day was actually a bank holiday monday uh, and he woke me up early and uh we went off to brand's hatch to watch european truck racing um, which was just incredible. Um, and that's really where it started for me, and and, and I've been obsessed. Uh, I mm. think I have been to at least one day of a Grand Prix weekend um, for, uh, well, put it this way, since 1995, I've only missed attending a Grand Prix day in three of those years amazing oh
1: that's good
0: wow. going man um yeah mainly silverstone but uh we have also been to spa twice as well which uh which is just a, 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 an incredible experience but um but anyway uh there has been a race this weekend and none of us attended because it wasn't exactly just round the corner was it uh we were in miami for the first ever miami grand prix uh this weekend um I suppose before we actually talk about the, the race itself and, and what actually happened, uh, it's just interesting, I think before the race, there was a lot of mickey-taking, I suppose, uh, trying to keep it clean, um, of uh, of some of the, the setup of the, the race event. I'm thinking particularly the fake water and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And there was a little bit of, oh, you know, is it another one of these... Semi temporary street circuity type things that we keep popping out. Oh, you yeah, know, why can't we have a proper track? But actually, what did you guys think of the circuit, the the event itself?
2: So first of all, I guess I'd say it's worked. I want to go to Miami now, <laughs> which isn't the whole point of it. I don't that, know about you, but, Mark, yeah. it.
1: They're off the track. I, I don't know if "circus" is the right word, but scenes were. The massive, the re- you can tell i have really pushed all the sorts out, like getting every influencer or I don't know local sp- like celebrity, sports star, whatever to turn up. It was it was massive mm. off track, were not it?
0: It really was. It really was. But what what about the the circuit itself? Because yeah, I was in that 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 school originally. Of mm, I'm not sure what this is going to be like, but I don't know about you, but I quite liked it.
2: Yeah, you go parking.
1: Yeah. I'm gonna disagree, I think, with both of you here. It was alright. <laughs> there was the turn, I can't remember what turn it was, with the with the show, the Tech Pro barrier where Ocon and uh science had fairly catastrophic accidents. It didn't take what? him
0: long to mention an Alpine driver crashing, did it Tom?
1: <laughs> sorry Tom. <laughs> well, carry but, on, sorry. <laughs> but like, that that there was some parts of circuit design that seemed to be loving fast sweeping corners right next to concrete barriers. But I guess with the Miami track where it's all laid down fresh for the weekend, that is one strength that can potentially modify over the 10-year contract to be either safe or different. If like the regulations change, they can change the circuit to adapt to the cars. I'll think that is a strength, and there was some parts of the race that were quite good. However, there were, it was starting to lull a bit until the safety car at the end, I feel.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was it was very much a slow burner in terms of a race. But I think, Tom, you were, you were a bit of a fan of the track, weren't you?
1: Yeah,
2: so I'm a fan of tracks that have some sort of character and um, the kind of weird, slow section that went under that kind of highway, I was a big fan of. I know it looked quite clumsy in the um, in the Formula 1 cars there, the, the chicane especially, but it was quite fun to watch. It had strong Zolder energy, that kind of airtime they got <laughs> almost.
0: Yeah, I, t- I, I, I ended up really liking it. There was a couple of corners where I thought... Um, I can't wait for this to. Well, let's face it, it's going to end up in a set of corners before anything else, right? Uh, I, yeah. I can't, I can't wait for. I mean, it's probably already there. I'm going to have to have a look later. Um, yeah, there's a few corners where I thought I just can't wait to attack those. There's several where I just thought, oh, oh they're going to be horrible to drive. Not, not just the little chicane, um, but that long left hander that. Uh, it just it seemed that everyone really struggled to figure out where they were supposed to break to uh to absolutely nail that 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 long left hander. Um But I think Tom, you mentioned um to us earlier about it, it was interesting the way it had the the slow sections that then went on to the long straights to sort of help keep the cars close together for overtaking. And and I thought the same, but but actually until until the field was bunched back up, we didn't
2: get a lot, a lot, or or did we? Yeah. So, um, the first the uh, the long left hander you mentioned, I actually really like that corner. You could see kind of the drivers, <laughs> the drivers were really fighting with these difficult cars because they were constantly like getting a swapper on, like mid corner, you know, damming the brakes, damming the throttle, constantly shaking, sorting at the wheel, um, and then yeah, the slow section before the long straight is actually. I don't know if it's intentional. If it is, it's really clever. Because obviously in slow sections, you don't have dirty air. So if you have a slow sele- slow section straight onto a long straight, you obviously could catch up with your mechanical advantage if you have one. And then obviously overtake down there. But yeah, we didn't actually see many moves made into that corner. Uh, at, least, no. you know, at least compared to yeah. something like Jeddah, where there was one corner where they were all just DRSing past each other.
1: That that was one thing I was worried about first couple of laps. I think, was it Hamilton did a, a slam dunk DRS overtake and someone were like, oh no, it's going to be a mm. DRS fest. And it seemed to balance itself out quite well through the race mm. in terms of DRS overtakes.
0: I'll tell you the thing I was, I was really surprised about because for me, a lot of that track did have a bit of uh, Jeddah feels about it um, in terms of some of the high speed sections with the walls up close and things like that. Obviously, there's a lot of it that was very different to Jeddah um but there was some of it that, that just had that feel and i was kind of expecting a bit of chaos and carnage in the race um and it didn't really come well until until uh lando and, and gasly couldn't work out who was going where uh until that point there wasn't really any carnage it was hardly any yellow flags was was that a surprise for you guys as much as it was for me
1: um, Yeah, I, I, absolutely Uh I was expecting, like you mentioned, Jeddah Part 2, especially how tight some parts were, but mm. in the parts where they were coming together, there was a lot of runoff area, weren't there? With the nice blue Miami branding on the <laughs> edge of the track. But yeah, it, it were not as bad as I feared. What do you think, Tom?
2: Yeah, so the track was... I don't know how to explain it. A lot, a lot of the corners just weren't as awkward as something like Jeddah. like The turn 1-2 mm. thing at Jeddah, I don't know how to explain it other than incredibly awkward. It thins and then it... Oh, I don't know, but there's just not as much of that. Like the corners are nice and predictable. I feel like
0: uh, just uh, you, you mentioned about the the fiddly little chicane and whether that was on purpose. So I, I think I read somewhere that the reason that they had to put the fiddly little chicane in under the um under the overpasses was as much as anything they needed quite a sudden. Um, uh, elevation change between one section and the other so they needed to find a way to do that without it just being a big ramp for the cars to go up um but i think it i think it worked it was uh it was mm. a tricky part of the track for them to get through we know that these these 2022 cars are at their trickiest when they are in the slow stuff so so it was quite interesting to see that uh and I get, it does make me think. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure what Monaco's going to be like this year. But um, anyway, that's for another podcast. Mm. Uh, I suppose we we yeah. probably we probably should talk about the the race itself. Um, yes, there was a bit of a lull in the race, but it really came to life towards the end, didn't it?
1: Ah, uh, absolutely. That was, uh, it, it it with the threat of rain and then the late safety car. I Thought, yeah. oh, this could be an all time classic, but. It still, it still ended up quite good, the finale.
2: Yeah, I um, I thought it was quite a good race. Um, like all the way through, I don't know, I was, I was obviously, um, I don't know. I feel like I was paying attention to the lower half of the grid. Um, I wonder why that is. <laughs> I, as I was saying that, I knew I'd open myself up to that. One, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There was lots of scrapping, there. Was lots of fighting. Lots of like really small deltas between the cars. Um, not a lot of like super easy overtakes as well. I was actually I was concerned coming into this race because I'd seen online that the um, the kind of tarmac was disintegrating. I don't know if you saw mm. the corner after the long yeah. straight; it was like a, you know it was like a pothole job in back in my hometown of Sheffield. It was just like patching tarmac everywhere, because um, yeah, the track was disintegrating. Like offline, you wouldn't just have the nasty tire marbles, but you'd have like literal debris of tarmac as well out there. So obviously, side by side racing just—I I was worried it wouldn't be a possibility, but. I don't know. They seem to they seem to get on top of it, which makes me more excited for later years. If you know, if they're only going to get better at dealing with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and fair play to them for for how quickly they they get on with it. Um, I mean, if if we just touch on qualifying first of all, um, I feel like we don't actually know whether Max would could have been on pole because obviously in the in the in the first runs in Q three. He snatched it, and boy, it was close in the first runs of uh, Q3 between the top three. Um, and then, obviously, in the in the second runs, the the ramping up of the track really, really helped, and it was it was clear how much it was ramping up in terms of pace. But um, but obviously, Max made a mistake and had to back out of his lap, so we don't know where he would have uh, ended up. But that gave us the situation of a Ferrari lockout at the front, and I said uh to my missus before the race started uh I don't know whether she was listening or not but I was I was talking um and I I said look I I think I think Max will get past Carlos into turn 1 and then that's game on and that's exactly what it
1: was yeah the <laughs> ramping up of the track caught Russell out as well they didn't in Q2 but mm. yeah those Ferrari laps to get pole were both brilliant from Science and uh, Leclerc yeah and actually yeah. I
0: mean Science was was on it this weekend, right?
1: Yeah, kind of until turn one in the race, I guess. Well, <laughs> that being said, it was a good overtake by Max Verstappen to get him on the first corner. But yeah, they were back to Carlos Sainz last season, weren't it? Really cutting the mistakes out and finding some level of consistency.
2: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I I didn't watch much of Q three, but um, I saw the onboards after the fact, and yeah, there were again. Because of the track, they was so good to watch. Just,
0: it's probably worth a worth a tricky question uh, already. Oh dear. We may only be what? What have we done? Four or five races now? Five races, I think. Mm. Um, but it's clear already that this is a Charles versus Max title mm. fight. Do Ferrari have no option now but to get Carlos into the supporting role, and same for for Red Bull with with
2: Checo? Oof. I'll let you take the spark in <laughs> oh, <that's
1: right. laughs> very in there. Um, I think Carlos has almost backed himself into that role without Ferrari having to do it. Potentially, he's made so many little mistakes and. Uh, odd bit of poor qualifying here and there. Is what is he? He's already well it's still behind George Russell in championship, that's one thing. He's got half Charles Leclerc's points total, pretty much. <laughs> Unless Leclerc has a lot of reliable issues or makes the same mistakes, he's unlikely to bridge that gap anytime soon with how well the Red Bulls seem to do doing. I, I think he's made the decision easier for Ferrari if so that's what they're gonna do.
0: What about Checo? Same thing for Checo? Because he's not had you know it if anything, he's, he's had better reliability than the Max so far this season. Um, but uh, I, I felt like Checo started the season off much, much better than last season. Like He was uh, a lot closer mm. to Max, but that seems to have very, very quickly opened up in terms of a gap. So is it the same thing for, for, for Red Bull? And Tom, you're going to have to answer it this time.
2: I think it's too soon for Perez on that one. I you think really? it's too soon. Yeah, because um I know I know Max has had more reliability issues, but I think I don't think Carlos Sainz has had any but he's had all of his point drops have been through his own mistakes. Um, so what, okay, so what what's worse then? Um
0: is it worse that, that Carlos is so far behind Charles because he's made mistakes or uh but still had good pace or checo has uh not had the reliability problems that max has but he's yet still a long way behind him do you do you see what i mean you know is there a question mark there about actually is is the, the the pace difference between the two is is bigger potentially than between the ferrari pair
2: yeah s- swapping drivers and having like a a number 2 quote unquote a- A solidified bona fide number two driver that could really hurt morale. So, I do worry that doing that to Perez now, when he's not mega far off Max Verstappen, would start to eat away his morale and push him down that order. Mm. I'd he might be that now, he he might have it in his head. You know, Horner might have spoken to him and said, Yep, you are number two. If that's the case, he's doing really well. Because if I know if I was a, a number two driver. Certified, like my morale would drop off, drop off, very quickly, and I would not be where he is now. Um, so, if that is the case, then fair play to him. But if it's not, I do think it is dangerous playing that game. Because uh, look at Bottas; you know he's been freed of those shackles, and yeah, the guy's smashing it. That's
0: a really good point. Okay, let's let's True. talk about Valtteri Bottas for a minute. Man has been uh, consistent to the core, um, and yet again outqualified both Mercedes uh is able to race lewis in uh it, it, you know in in an alfa romeo um the guy's come back to life isn't he
2: yeah in a big way it's super impressive the consistency as well like i've got a note here um teams are correlating a lot so you know when uh, like when one team is bad uh, another team is bad that sort of thing mm. but bottas is always there He's always there or thereabouts, like the lower half of the top 10. It's really impressive.
1: Yeah, if it weren't for that late safety car, he was absolutely in no danger whatsoever losing that fifth place, was he? And he only lost fifth place because he he tagged the wall or just ran wide, didn't he, before the straight and got done by both Mercedes. We can probably call it Bottas 3.0 already, I guess, after his uh, many attempts at a reboot at at Mercedes. Well, do
0: you know, in, in some ways it feels like he's returned to Bottas 1.0 when, when, when he was at Williams and, uh, and he was punching above his weight there and doing such a great job that actually got him into Mercedes in the first place. It kind of feels like he's, he's back there, he's leading a team. He's, um, I think it was you, Tom, who, who used the word, you know, got the shackles off and that, that's a really good way of um, way of highlighting. It does feel like he's just a bit more relaxed. The pressure's gone.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I got... I'm I'm really happy for, like, uh, how well he's doing at Alfa Romeo. I think uh, Joe's got a really good uh, mentor there as well. Do you know, mm. he's in a good place and he's an experienced good driver. So, yeah, that was quite worrying in a way.
0: All right, so um, who else stood out to you? In fact, parking. I, I think you're... It, I'm right in saying that, that you've got a bit of a vision of uh, uh of us naming some of our something of, of the day. Do you wanna take us through that and uh, uh and we can we can start to pick out our our drivers?
1: Yeah, so I guess three things we're looking for in each race between us, whether we come to a consensus or not. We'll see, but we're gonna go for a driver of the day, a donkey of the day, and our favourite overtake of the of the race. Um, I've got a couple of ideas to be fair. You want I'll to start learn. us off? Yeah. Go on then. Go for it. For drivers of the day, I went for Verstappen. But mm. I was solely tempted to go for Albon because Verstappen did the lovely overtaking to turn one to get second and then just pressured Leclerc into eventually getting past and establishing a dominant lead. And then when he came to pressure late after the safety car, he, he pretty much mm. he fought him off quite comfortably really didn't it despite how close Claire was
0: and he established a good lead in in the first half of the race as well um on on pure pace so mm. yeah I, I can I can see that uh what about you Tom your driver of the day
2: uh mine's Albon I've gone same as uh same as Alex there yeah uh he's done really well again his consistency he's uh he's always been in that same region despite teams you know correlating up and down uh based on like track and how well their car is. He's always seems to be in that kind of 12th to ninth kind of region.
0: I've, I've been really, really impressed with, uh, with Albon this season. Um, I don't know whether you guys listen to, uh, I shouldn't be plugging other podcasts in, in our own, but the, the official formula one beyond the grid podcast, uh, and, and they had Alex Albon on a couple of weeks ago and I listened to it over this weekend. And, um, uh, he just sounds so similar to to what we were just saying about Bottas. You know, pressures off, and um, you know, it, it sounds like he's he's dealt really well with rebuilding the mental side of things for it, for himself. Um, and uh, I, I think he's doing a cracking job. But he wasn't my driver of the day. Who? Any ideas?
2: Uh, <laughs> have a look.
0: Russell Bottas. Nope, and nope. Ah, uh, it's tricky because of how it finished for him. Oh no! But Mick Schumacher, I thought that was Mick's best race weekend of his career. He was on it. He was. He was generally at least the same pace, if not slightly quicker than the Magnussen. And we know how good Magnussen has been since his return. It feels like um Mick partnered with Magnuson is the best thing that could have happened to him this season. He's got a real benchmark, he's got, you know, a, a a much better car. Um and we're just starting to see the real Mick Schumacher. And you know, it's the same all the way through his career. It's always been the second season where where he comes alive. Um, it was the same in GP two. First season wasn't that great. Second season he he won the title, um, and I just feel like he's coming to life a little bit. Okay, the the incident with Vettel towards the end. I actually put more of that on Vettel than I do on on Mick. Um, but uh, you know, maybe maybe in the words of Dario Franchitti, it could have been discretion, the better part of valor. Um, but uh, you know, it is what it is. He will get points soon, and for me, I I stuck with him as my driver of the day.
2: Mm, I understand that. Uh, honorable honorable mention on my part to uh, Lance Stroll actually. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's had, yeah, I know he's had a tough start, but he's uh, he's really turned it around. And uh, I'm just noticing, if Google's correct here, he pinched tenth from my favorite driver Alonso by a tenth of a second with his penalties there.
1: I'm so. just looking at the same. Because I, I, on the contrary, they seem surprised Albon got Alonso. I can't believe they both got Alonso. I didn't know. Albon,
0: Albon didn't get Alonso in the first place. He was two tenths short. Uh, but then Alonso got a second yeah. penalty post-race. Ah. Um. So, yeah, Alonso wasn't just naughty once. Yesterday, he was naughty twice. So, uh, got another penalty.
2: Um. Yeah, The uh, the mood isn't too... Uh, happy around that one Um apparently the communication with us was uh, quite poor but yeah so mm. I, can, I can imagine so um,
0: okay so that's driver of the day so I think if we're if we we're doing a consensus then we're probably ending up with with Albon actually because he, he was probably my my second driver of the day uh, he was Alex's second driver of the day and he was he was Tom's first driver of the day so kind of consensus is Albon as driver of the day. Uh what was what was the next one? Was it uh is it the
1: It was and I feel like we're about to fall out Adam. I've gone for Mick Schumacher. Oh! <laughs> that was a very Well good thank you very much laps. for listening to the pit lane that has
0: been episode what?
1: <laughs> so why why Mick? <sighs> that was a very good fifty one laps and a decent qualifying from him and then he makes a stupid lunge when he's nailed on to get his first points and he, he did not even score one point in the end. it's It was a good drive with an incredibly stupid mistake, I felt. And it cost him a lot. And Haas, who mm. seems to be no longer the fourth or fifth best team. There could be a big couple of points to miss out on.
0: Tom, donkey of the day? I'm not even going to respond to that. Uh, Tom, donkey of the day?
2: Um... So mine is a combination of uh, Lando Norris and his strategy team. Um so that <laughs> that strategy with Norris that brought him out into traffic with the obviously the tyres that we know of don't switch on at all. Mm. Um that that killed his race, like completely. Um, you know, he was well. if I think he just fell back like four positions and was stuck there, even with when his tires did eventually get going, they were just completely shredded. And um the, the incident with Gasly, um it was just I don't know it was like it seems like one of those moments, you know, when we're sim racing, you just switch off for a bit, and then all hell breaks loose. It was yeah. just, it was just odd. It was quite, I don't know it was quite comedic in a way. I know it was like a big scary crash, but I, I'm at the point now where I have that much confidence in the the safety of these cars that I see something like that, and it's almost kind of, you know, it's it's quite, it's it's just weird. It's quite funny in a way.
1: Yeah. It yeah. was weird seeing the tire roll down the straight. I didn't, Did not I see that. Yeah. I wondered what just, happened at first.
2: It was just a weird. It was just a weird series
0: of events. And Martin Brundle Even... describing it as a polo rolling down the road.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what What was also weird? Hearing the Gazley radio of it like going "oh" and then screeching tires in the background. Like that's unusual to hear. Yeah, because didn't he actually say "oops"? <laughs> yeah, and then you're like so, screeching tire and a smash in background, don't you? It's...
2: Yeah, but. Uh, that gives me strong public lobby energy that does <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. oops
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, sorry
0: uh okay donkey of the day uh for me
1: not make sure i'm guessing adam
0: no no um oh it's it's really difficult because actually there weren't so many donkeys this time around um and you know, it would be easy to say Fernando Alonso because he got two penalties, but I'd probably only be saying that to wind Tom up. Um <sighs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. <sighs> Do you want some controversy? Go on then. My donkey of the day, Lewis Hamilton. Really starts ahead. Of, and look, I know that the strategy fell lucky because of the um, the the the, the, uh, the safety car timing and things like that. Started so far ahead of Russell, but still ends up behind him, and that's not particularly the donkey part. It's the I actually have a lot more respect for Lewis Hamilton uh, over the past couple of years than I ever have done in his career. I've never massively been a Lewis Hamilton fan, um, but, you know, I, I've, I've I've grown to like him a lot more over the last couple of years. But it's when things are going wrong and he does his whinging and moaning on the radio, oh, this strategy's really screwed us. It's like, just get your head down and get on with it. Have those conversations with your team uh, in the background you don't hear okay you might hear Max saying stuff like that but you don't hear somebody like Charles Leclerc saying that on the radio um, and
1: no, just, it's usually being himself but not the strategy team Leclerc
0: yeah I just feel like like sometimes Lewis has got to say okay George has done a really good job there today and he's done a better job than me
1: yeah like, especially how, how feared for Russell in, like first ten laps because he was down like sixteen, seventeenth, and struggling, were not he? Or fifteenth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it took a end. while
0: for him to fire the tires up, but then did, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's a bit of reach for donkey, but I, I can see a reason in there, Adam.
2: In um, in Hamilton's defense, he did. I think he posted exactly what you said there, Adam, on Instagram later. I don't know if that's gone through like a marketing team or what have you, but. Yeah, he did post that later. I almost think with Hamilton, it's almost like kind of a mental thing now. I know these are all Mm -hmm. like super high-performing athletes and, you know, they're all so strong mentally, but I know especially when you've done this sport for as long as you have and had the season that Hamilton had last year and all the controversy there, it must, it must like wear on you. Whereas, you know, uh, Russell is, he's not been in the sport that long. He, um, He's just being promoted, it's going to be full of enthusiasm. Mm. And I feel like even that just might be the performance differentiator.
0: Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm, I'm conscious that uh, we we want to move on to our next subject at, you know, in the very near future. So uh, we need to quickly cover off um, Overtake of the Day though, right? So, uh, Alex?
1: I've gone for right at the start, Verstappen to get to P2. It set him up nicely to the Leclerc. We're having to get through science and it was a brave, but clean and aggressive move. I liked it. Tom? <laughs>
2: Mine's um, Ocon. Uh, a, amazing <laughs> double overtake on uh, make Schumacher a Vettel. Wow.
0: Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Did you just put the words Ocon and amazing in the same sentence?
2: Yeah, wait, why would I not? Okay,
0: good. That's good to hear from such a staunch Alonso fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um uh overtake of, overtake of the day for me was uh mick schumacher's pass on uh on sebastian vettel it's just same that vettel turned in on him basically uh um, <laughs> no on, honestly uh for me i, I was going to go the same as um uh the same as parking um I, I think verstappen at the beginning was absolutely on it uh but not just the 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 yeah, it was the moves on both of the Ferraris were, were just yeah. absolutely superb um, and showed why he's world champion and uh, why I think he probably will be again this season.
2: Yeah, um, uh, if I'm been serious, that's my that's my choice as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. What yeah. about you, Parkin? Do you think he's going to do it or do you think Leclerc can hang on?
1: I think the Ferrari advantage trailer season's season is slowly getting eroded, isn't it? They just can't keep all their tyres as long as Red Bull, so I think it's looking that way, isn't it? Verstappen. <laughs> Although, having said
0: that, what happens when it now goes back to Europe? So we go Spain next, which it could be hot. It could be not. We don't know. You know, it's kind of a weird time of year for for Spain, May. You know, it's either going to be really hot or not. Um, Yeah. And then we go to Monaco. Who knows what's going to happen there? Um, You know, so as we go through the European side of things, maybe the uh, cooler temperatures might work. I don't know. But... At the moment, the momentum's with Max, but the big question is reliability. I think as we get through the season yeah, as well, it yeah. could really cost him. Um, it's
1: it's good, sorry, to get into a season where we don't actually know. It's not like, yeah, it's probably probably last season before last season it was Rosberg Hamilton the only other time we're like it could be one out of two drivers rather than just it's Hamilton. Mm. Yeah, unless indeed. Something catastrophic happens.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, so. So I know before the race, we, we did um, some predictions, not just us, but some of the other guys who will be involved in the podcast in the future and also some of the uh, other folk within Onid. Um, Alex, do you want to just talk us through what the predictions were all about and, and also uh, how it all worked out?
1: Yeah, sure. So to mix up a bit, we did a prediction for each F1 race with, where we predict the driver who qualifies 11th the driver who finishes the race fifth, how many cars will finish, and who will win the race? Just to, you know, mix up a bit so it's not the usual Hambot there, or Verstappen-Leclerc prediction for each with a pole position, what have you, sir. So. By yeah, the way, by the way on, on that
0: on that subject, did you see the, the, the thing on Reddit this weekend that uh, uh, is now quite amusing when it's uh, Bottas followed by Hamilton, because then it's bottom. <laughs> 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 Which I found quite amusing. Um, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, the aim of this was to score zero points, right?
1: Uh, for you, perhaps. For everyone else, no, at least Summer has got half points. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid okay. to say, Adam. So A little bit of a weirdness. Last night, I had Dan Hyde as leading with three points because the 16 cars apparently finished. But then I've looked at the classification today and Magnussen retired, so 15 finished, which gave me a point. Which oh, is good. Well <laughs> So Adam, you came away with no points, unfortunately. You predicted Bottas to finish, uh, qualify eleventh, Lando yeah. fifth, nineteen finishing cars and Leclerc to win. So, yeah, it
0: didn't that didn't work out so well.
1: <laughs> well, I went much better until today. I went for Ocon eleventh, uh, Lando Norris to come fifth, fifteen cars to finish and Leclerc to win. So yeah, I got I gave myself a half point for Ocon because it was the right team, mm. but the wrong driver and. Picked up a points there for 15 cars finished. Yeah, you didn't do too bad, Tom.
2: No, um, yeah, I went um, qualify 11th. Um, I went Ocon because uh, I'm still in 2021 mode. You know, he was he was consistently there in and around that top 10 in qualifying. Uh, fifth, I went Alonso. I don't know. I just had it in my head that he would take to this track and um, you know smash it. Um, it. Which he did. To be fair, you know th- that start from Alonso. Oh my god, it was that good. was immense. I love that. <laughs> uh i had 18 cars to finish because i thought you know new track uh, a lot of people would take it quite you know calm i thought any any like dns would be just um technical you know engines blowing that kind of thing uh but yeah obviously that didn't work out <laughs> and yeah i had match for Stafford to win which is where one of my one and a half points have has come from
1: nice Oh, the, so the, congratulations yeah. everyone, apart from me. <laughs> <laughs> so that the actual predictions were: Alonso qualified eleventh, Russell came fifth, fifteen cars finished, and Max Verstappen won. And Sammy Roughton and Dan Hyde are tied on two points each. Uh, go good for them.
0: Ah, oh, good, good. Well, at least I'm not. Well, actually, yes, I am last. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> we've uh, we'll, we'll be doing predictions again for the next round, uh, which will be in Spain. Not this weekend, but the weekend after um, so just uh, before we move on from Formula 1 how how does the championship stack up now I think, is it 19 points the gap between the top two
2: uh,
1: yeah, yeah yeah you're right 8-5 uh, points for Max Verstappen under a for Leclerc, Perez 3rd on 66 and Russell 4th on 59 which is ridiculous and
0: you honest. spotted something earlier in the uh, Constructors' standings didn't you
1: take a guess who's 4th uh, Alpine. A wild. Unfortunately, not for Tom. Cass. No. McTractor. McTractor fourth. Mm. Which is mm. insane. Say that. I, I just don't understand how that's happened.
2: The uh, the car seems to digitally kind of flick between, you know, front runner and back marker. It's very it's odd.
1: <laughs> Parkour. The uh, <laughs> office meme. And HASS, after a good start, they're down in eighth below Alpha which is That's a bit a of a bizarre.
0: weird one. They, mm. yeah,
1: I, <laughs> they've yeah, done the reverse McLaren almost. They seem fast, but can't score points. And McLaren um, seems to be a mess and has picked up a lot of points. All of
0: yeah. You could call McLaren the, the, the George Russell really, uh, <laughs> because the man's been incredible this season. He mm. really has. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair play to him. Uh, I, I felt really sorry for him coming into this season. Yeah, the boy's been putting the the work in for these years down at Williams to get this seat. He gets the seat, and all of a sudden they don't have a race winning car. In fact, they have a an absolute mm. um, turd box. Um, but you know, it, it uh, see, I managed to avoid the swears then and everything. Um, but it does. We'll see seem...
1: how many weeks that lasts, Adam. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'd do it in minutes if I were you, rather than rather than yeah. weeks. Um, but it's. Um, The Mercedes does seem to be getting a little better, especially in hot conditions, but let's see what they can bring to the rest of the season because I'm conscious of time and there is something else that we wanted to spend some time talking about tonight. Uh, So are we all done with with Formula 1 right now?
1: Yep. Final thought, sorry. Martin Brundle's good rock, probably the best I've ever seen absolute mm. gold if you've if you not seen it. it yet if you can find it it's oh it's on yeah. it's on youtube
0: it's on youtube so oh, i will go and check that out uh, once we're done here good good oh oh hang on a minute hang oh, on. It... we can't move away from formula one yet um i'm not trying to be funny but what on earth was the drive to the podium about hey
2: oh yeah that was hilarious
1: the police escort that
0: was a bit cringe i mean there was a lot of stuff uh that was going on that was that was quite amusing it was quite good fun i like the uh the football helmets on the on on the podium mm. and all that kind of stuff but the 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 drive to the oh, no really i mean camera. take a take a leaf out of the uh the formula e book, where if they've got a podium that's that's not by the finish line they get the drivers to drive to it and then drive the cars up through the middle of the podium and park them at the front and it's like okay i like that but yeah that was just a bit it was it was the bit where they were going through some sort of service road underneath and and all of a sudden they're like oh uh we we need jerry horner to get out of the way before we can before we can crack on here I was just, yeah, it was a little bit cringe, but um, mm-hmm. anyway, we'll see. We'll see what they do next year. So, Alex, what else did we want to talk about tonight?
1: So, for this week's second topic, we're going for the new BTCC season. Yeah. A, a racing series close to mine and Adam's heart, and I think. Is it to yours as well, Tom? Uh,
2: No, I actually oh. have some questions lined up because I am a complete newbie. Right. BGCC. Well, let's oh, do nice. it then. Uh, why don't we start there with your
0: questions?
2: Right. So yeah, I have some thoughts to share um, later on, like the whole new hybrid implementation. Um, but yeah, the the first question I had is, I've never been to a touring car race. I've never even watched one on telly. Uh, I am sorry about that. <gasps> oh, you but, missed out, man. I know. I know. But which one should I go to in person first?
1: Ooh. Oh, Donington's the only one I've been to, and that was very enjoyable. And it would be a local track if you were back in Sheffield. Mm. I'm guessing now it's Silverstone, isn't it?
2: I've, yes.
0: I've got a much better suggestion for you. It does involve a bit of a trek, especially from where you live now. Oh God, it's not is isn't it? <laughs> no, not Knockhill. <laughs> it's, it's not that much of a trek. Uh, get yourself to Croft. Croft, right. Croft is a brilliant track. Uh, and um and, and get yourself down at, at, at T1 you can be literally right up against the barrier um and yeah you get to see those cars come thundering in there i i would love to go to knockhill at some point um because i think that that would be that would be a pretty special place to watch but um yeah i can recommend croft i've been there a couple of times it's it's well worth it
2: what about uh, what are thoughts on thruxton because i've actually been to um Thruxton for a bit of karting and it's oh, it's a lovely part of the country. I uh, have uh, what, not from? actually
0: been to Thruxton so can't comment but it's um it's somewhere that you'll see the cars really fast. It's mm. yeah, the the fastest track in in the UK I think. Um so yeah be be worth it, worth a watch. I think if I was going to watch anywhere down there I'd probably park myself at the chicane at the end of the lap though. Because uh, there's always loads of action into that chicane. Um but uh yeah, it's not a bad shout. Um I, I would probably stick with, with Croft as my suggestion. The other place that's really good to go watch is um is brand's hatch for the indie circuit, which is where they go next weekend. Um because if you if you put yourself in the right part of Brand's Hatch. You can actually see the entirety of the indie Circuit from one place, uh, so that that would be a really good place to go watch touring cars as well.
2: Nice. So it seems like the consensus is uh, at any race,
0: basically I mean, any track that's yes. got British touring cars on. Yeah, that's the one.
2: Nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just great. Like we were talking, we were messaging each other last week, and that- oh, the other week I had work with the first race, and it was just so good like the amount of door banging and wheel to wheel racing and throughout the whole all three of the races on the day it was just fantastic to watch were not it
0: yeah and and the first five minutes of the first race of the season was just unreal there was at one point i think there was there was five cars that were literally joined together for the lead <laughs> wow uh, and it was just mad after this uh, Tom, I am going to find the first five minutes of that first race and make you you watch it with us, uh, just so you can see what it was like. But, um,
1: yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it go two just... or three wide down the corner curves. It's just oh, incredible. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> really
0: good. So <laughs> have you got any other questions for us?
2: Yeah, so when I started watching Formula One, I kind of latched on to charles is like the the guy to follow because you know he was it was the new upstart at ferrari he had a it, just a lot happened to him in that season you know he, he lost um, he lost antoine he um he won the Belgian and the Italian grand Prix it was just a, an immense character arc. i also i also noticed I like drivers who had a bit of character about them you know just like an attitude or even if it's just an on track persona like Daniel mm-hmm. Ricardo, last of the late breakers is there any proper characters on the btCC grid because at the minute they're just like names to be, Alex. Obviously, I'm, that's because I'm...
0: I, I, I'm. I'm going to suggest Alex that that I do a countdown: three, two, one, and then we say a name. Because I've got a sneaky <laughs> suspicion we might say the same name. Oh, uh, okay. So it, I'll say three, two, one, go, and then after go we say the name. Okay, you ready for this?
1: No, no pressure. Yeah. Okay,
0: three, two, one, go. Ash Sutton. Jason Plato. (laughs) We didn't even say it at the same time. That was terrible. (laughs) Uh, But we said a different driver anyway. Uh, I mean... I'm sorry. I can can see what you're saying, Actually, I mean, Jason Plato's been around... This is Jason Plato's last season. Now, he's announced that he's leaving Mm. at the end of the season. He's been around um, since 1997, I think he made his debut.
1: Well, remember, that's... I'm just saying it's Wikipedia page. Uh,
0: it was either ninety-seven or ninety-six. I'm pretty sure it was ninety-seven. Uh, Williams Renault. Um, yeah, you're right.
1: Exactly right. Uh,
0: and yeah, so so he he is a proper character. He's a proper character. Well uh, in his
1: fifties It's a phenomenal effort. Oh he,
0: yeah, yeah, and he's still scoring points. And um, uh,
1: he, you know,
0: I would like to see him take a couple of wins this season. Because I think I'm right in saying he's still stuck on 98 wins. Oh, and just what an achievement that would be to hit 100 wins in in British touring cars. Um,
1: yeah, it's 632 races as well. That's yeah, an insane yeah. It's not wow. bad
0: return, is it? Um, yeah. but yeah, for, I, I went for Ash Sutton because Ash Sutton um has swapped around lots of different teams over the last few years. Um, he's always quick wherever he goes. Uh, but not just that. The guy is just so dynamic to watch as a racer. Uh, he's overtaking is is better than anyone else in in the in the championship. Um, he's such a strong driver to fight back through the field. Um, yeah, he's he's really good in terms of sort of up and coming drivers to watch. Uh, there was a guy who made his debut um, uh, this time around. I, I think his first name was George. George Gamble, um, who was uh, racing in one of the customer BMWs, mm. and uh, he put it right up the order in his first ever qualifying. And then um, you know he was battling in the top five in, in both uh, in sort of two or two of the three races. So he's definitely one to watch. Um, didn't know much about him before the start of the season, but. Um, yeah, he's come on quickly. Uh and also a bit of a shout on the sim racing side. Uh for the fact that that Dan Camish has returned this season. Um I have actually previously raced against Dan Camish. Um well, okay, let me rephrase that. I have previously been absolutely thrashed in a race by Dan Camish. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, he's a he's a legit sim racer and a really nice guy with it as well. And he's Ash Sutton's teammate in the Napa Ford this season.
1: That's uh, a first for the podcast as well. The first name drop. Well done, Adam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I I have some more for later on in the in the <laughs> podcasting. But uh, yeah, did you have any other BTCC questions for us?
2: Uh, no, that was it. I just want to make sure you have no kind of sentimental attachments to these drivers, because anyone I seem to support goes down the drain. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even looking at the Sheffield Wednesday score right now. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, it's going to be no loot in town, is it? So, uh, I mean, Sam's not even here, and we're still giving him grief for that. <laughs> so, Alex, I mean, the the, the incredible racing uh, aside um, from the Donington Park opener, what do you think of the whole hybrid stuff?
1: Um, having not done the most in-depth research, it's an interesting move to switch away from ballast as a penalty to less hybrid use, because I think you're touching it, Tom, the cost of that could be potentially quite significant, without knowing too much about it. Well, yeah, especially in a formula that isn't the most financially stable at times. It could be a gamble. I think...
2: Yeah. Hybrid tech is is not kind on the wallet, because you need... The engine's still there. You need people to run that, but then you have all these electrical parts as well, which require, you know, not new parts but also new staff to look after those parts. So it's it can be quite, quite a tough thing to finance.
0: So he, here's where I think this is the really interesting thing um, about touring cars, is that pretty much every single one of the teams has got the exact same engine inside. Um, so that's how the cost is managed a lot of the time for these guys, is the fact that it is a a standardized engine um mm. and i'm trying to uh, rack my brains to remember who it is that's produced the hybrid engine because it's in the it's, past uh, it m- was m sport m sport thank you yeah cuz in the past it was always uh, uh swindon who did the the like the uh what's the word i'm looking for like the spec engine for for touring cars um so there is there's is pretty much a spec engine uh, and therefore, all the hybrid stuff is is spec as well. You can go your own way if you want to. And interestingly, Hyundai have uh, because oh. Hyundai wanted to invest uh, in the series, so they have got Swindon, the people who used to make the spec engine for touring cars, to make a Hyundai BTCC hybrid engine so they're definitely going to be encountering more cost than anyone else but costs in BTCC i I've added too many Cs um <laughs> are so, so heavily capped uh you know compared to the past because they don't want to fall back into the into the super touring multi million pound days that that they were um so yeah I think I think things will be all right with that. But it was very, very interesting to see because I was like, okay, new era, hybrid. Might be interesting to see them being able to press an overtake button to get some more pace out of the car. Okay, but apart from that, what's really going to be different, the different thing was the switch from the ballast to the, um, uh, to the, the restricting hybrid use. So <clears throat> how do you think that went?
2: It, it, uh, I'll let you go,
0: Alex
1: It's alright, it still provided good racing didn't it but we're only one weekend into the season so it's I, I, I guess only time will tell really but it usually is good racing regardless of what penalty systems seem to use for uh, success penalties Do
0: you think it's Do you think it might just shift the dynamics of the series a little bit in the sense of you take uh, my favourite driver, Tom Ingram uh, who is at Hyundai Tingram has really, really struggled over the years with um, ballasted up cars so whereas somebody like Ash Sutton could still wrestle a phenomenal result out of a car heavily laden with ballast Ingram really struggled to do that um Whereas they're now saying, well, you know, he can now set up the car for the entire season because it's on the same weight all the way through the season. So is it going to shift the dynamics a little bit and just, just maybe he could run away with the season? He won, what, the, the first first race was second in the second race, I think?
1: Yeah, that's a fair point, to be fair. Like, I, that's not something they even considered. Yeah. Especially teams that struggle, like it says, teams are drivers that struggle to change a set for the car based on how ba- much ballast it had, it's going to open up potential, isn't it? Hmm.
2: I've got to say, I'm, I'm a really big fan of the amount of thought that goes into the rule set of BTCCCCC. Mm. Um, <laughs> because... Uh, More C's, please. Because well, <laughs> uh, even with the uh, hybrid deployment that we're talking about, you know, um, higher finishing drivers get less um, hybrid power. Uh, I think that's right, isn't it? I'm not they, they get
0: not... um, fewer usages of the, ah. the hybrid power, yeah.
2: Cool. I think I saw something that you can only deploy it above a certain speed because the rear wheel drive cars get a massive advantage of it out of the corners. Yeah. So, so I love how dead set they are on just making the racing as good as possible. Like when I first heard the, um, the rule where they get a random number of cars to flip in the standings, mm. I was like, what the hell's that about? That's that's so weird. Like explaining that to a new fan is gonna be a nightmare. But as soon as the as soon as someone said it's so drivers can't, you know, like S house it to uh <laughs> like just deliberately finish tenth or whatever, I was like, that's genius. I, is, I do love that about it. Yeah, us. About it
1: makes B-B- a lot of sense.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I mean uh C C C C C C C have have done a phenomenal job over the last few years yeah. of bringing the whole thing closer together, and look, you know, the the series went through a really difficult time after the end of the super tier, super touring era, um, and it chucked in some some frankly awful cars. They went way too far in one direction from, uh, you know, away from the super tourers. Um, and it was it wasn't great for a few seasons, but. Right now, I think this is the best the BTCC has ever been in terms of action and racing. You know, you, you can... You, my heart will always hark back to the Super Touring era and say, they were the cars I loved the most. That was uh, just incredible stuff. But in terms of the racing and the action, it's right now, uh, and it is absolutely superb to watch. Um, so for anyone who hasn't done, get yourself watching BTCC. It is it is superb, and it will be on this weekend, uh, Brands Hatch Indy, um, which you know being such a short track is going to create all kinds of fun and games. Um, You're gonna
1: be watching, uh, Alex. I, I I will be watching as much as possible, but hmm. um, I think the the only downside to BTCC at the minute is perhaps that lack of massive star power. It just ain't got that pull to like mm. the general public as it did in the 90s, has it? It's, not, it's on ITV4 for free, but it's not like front and centre like advertising or billing, is it? It's yeah. a bit of a niche sport in this country still. It'd be, they, um...
0: it'd be interesting actually to see what the viewing figures are like. Um, I'll, I'll dig that out for next time we talk BTCC. Sorry, Tom.
2: Uh, um, as a newbie, all I can say is yeah, it doesn't have the star power, but all the you know all the talk of like crazy racing, it, it gets heard. That's yeah. that's what's that's what's drawing me in, and I can't wait to get started.
1: And it, it does have that attraction of like drivers of different backgrounds. You've got drivers like Jade Edwards who races in the main event, and you've got Nick uh, Nick Hamilton, Lewis Hamilton's brother, really don't you? As Sarah yeah. Pauls in races uh, on the grid. It's it, it. I guess it makes up for it in other ways, doesn't it? Like. A, guess more of an inclusive or even playing field for drivers of different backgrounds definitely
0: definitely and uh you know i mean yes there are some drivers that are there because they're paying to be there um but there are a lot of drivers that are there on pure talent uh and some of the some of the abilities in that that series are just superb so um yeah let's uh Let's see what happens throughout the rest of the season. I'm sure we will return to the BTCC uh, later on in this series of podcasts.
1: Ooh. Sorry, Adam. One last thing about BTCC. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it, Tom. The return of Rich Energy to top tier. Oh, my good God.
2: Yes, God.
1: Sponsor Jason Plato's team.
0: <laughs> for now. Well, they've put the logo on the car. I don't know whether they've actually parted with any cash for it as yet, but... Uh,
1: Yeah. Anyway, let's not say too
0: much because he he seems like the kind of guy who might just sue people for the hell of it.
1: Hey, I said nothing negative.
0: <laughs> no, it was, it was all me. Oh, <laughs> oh no,
2: well, I assume well. Ah oh, dear.
0: Well, let's <laughs> let's get off air before we say anything that uh, that could land us in hot water. Uh, look, so we've 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 talked about Miami F one. We've talked about BTCC and the new hybrid era. Um, we've shared some opinions and predictions and thoughts and feelings and we've answered tom's questions about btcc uh, we'd be really really interested to see what you think of this first episode uh because this is very early days and we're going to do more and we're going to talk about different stuff so let us know what you want us to talk about um but uh if you did even enjoy just a momentary second of this podcast and we'd really appreciate it if you Uh, Hit the subscribe button uh, in uh, whichever podcasting uh, service or or app or whatever you use to access your podcasts. That would be really great. But also feel free to um, send us a message and let us know what you thought. Uh, But with that, I think we're probably off to go and do what we know uh, most about, and that is a bit of sim racing. Um, But uh, I've really enjoyed myself. Hope you guys have as well. Uh, Alex, thank you very much
1: yeah thanks for having me i've enjoyed it
0: thanks for having you it's your show you muppet
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah hey, I'm, I'm used to you and the john are the uh boss man <laughs>
0: no no this is definitely your gig this one um tom thanks for thanks for being here as well
2: Doris, no thank you for recording i guess
0: <laughs> yeah you are more than welcome i i guess um on that ever so slightly awkward uh ending um it's probably time for us to go thank you ever so much for listening and um let's know what you thought and we will be back very soon